Before we begin, a note of warning. The language used and the topics explored in this podcast are not suitable for listeners younger than 18. Your discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to reveal the real world of real estate with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Amy Romberg. Robert, I'm so excited to see you. I can't believe you're here. Hello. Hello. Fantastic. We've got a great show today. Gabrielle Einfeld is back in the green room. I know that she has a total peanut M&M addiction. Uh, I put like a ton of them back there. She sent over a writer beforehand and it specifically said that there's not supposed to be any green M&Ms. So let's see if she even notices. Okay. Excellent. Oh, I can't wait to hear what she thinks. I'm excited to speak with her. She has Mm -hmm. one of the absolute best headshots out there. I mean, she's a good looking woman. There's no question there, but like such a well done headshot. It's beautiful. I recently redid headshots because I have gone gray. So like my headshot didn't look like me anymore. Now, true enough, like I've had a mustache for going on like eight years now and a bald head, but like we change the way we look changes. So how often do we do it? How often do we get a new headshot? I can tell you that I think there's some people out there who don't get them often enough. (laughs) Yeah. How do you, how do you say that to somebody? You're like, oh, is that, is this your daughter? (laughs) (laughs) It's really, it is really interesting with real estate, right? It's hard to keep up on all the little things sometimes. I mean, I'm sure just like whatever you do, your level of busyness, sometimes you're like, ah, headshot, fuck it. Like not going to do that this week, do it next week. And then, you know, two years later, I think probably at least every couple of years at the, at minimum, I'm actually feeling like I might want to redo my headshots and I haven't been in this business very long. So, you know, you have to start somewhere with them. Right. And then I'm like, oh, if I redid my headshots, I think I would present myself a little bit differently or I would just like, there would be a shift to how I did things or or what I put forth. So I've had random occasions where like literally photographers have just been happened to be taking my picture for like whatever reason. Like I'm just on the street and people are like, can I take your picture? I'm like, yeah, no, that's not happening. (laughs) Uh, Like I was at a board meeting a while ago and they were doing headshots for all the board members. And I was like, hey, if I throw you a couple extra bucks, could you do a new headshot for me. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I threw a couple bucks and she was already there and she did a fantastic job. She did the leaping picture for the podcast, the one where I'm jumping. Yeah. So that's like my new headshot, which is nice, a full body shot, but I was like, you know, close enough, whatever. But I feel like your headshot is the thing that aside from your name, people recognize you and your brand the most. And so when you walk into the room and you don't look like the person who's in the picture, that's a problem, you know? And it's like, how much do you do? Like I was talking, like Donna Wade, Donna was on the show a while ago. She's one of my best friends. She's a real estate agent in in Boise, Idaho. She did a headshot and she's like, I don't think it looks like me. They put extensions in her hair. They made her hair like twice as big as it usually is. They did her makeup and it was like lighted and like, you know, photoshopped. It's like, how far do we go where it's like us 2.0 2.0 or is it just straight up fiction? Like we look like, you know, basically we're looking we're Tory Spelling looking like Khloe Kardashian. You know, like what what happens at that point? Is it important that you look exactly like the person when you walk into that room or is it important that it's like looks like you every day? And then, you know, do you have to start putting extensions in your hair every day so that you look like your headshot? Like where where's the balance? Where yeah. do we Where's the lines? Yes. I think it probably really depends on who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Like I know for me, it feels important that I am recognizable to clients. 
clients yes. and to people. Yes. That feels first and foremost most important. But there may be people out there who are like, first and foremost, like, I need to look fucking fantastic with my, you know, whatever it is that that they want to present. And especially if you're someone maybe who's like putting your image out all over the place, doing crazy marketing and it's wide reaching and yeah. you feel like you want to look a certain way for that. I mean, it's interesting too, because I think it's such, a, it's such a personal. Do you remember when I sent you two of my headshots? Yeah. And you liked one where I'm not wearing glasses yeah. and I like the one where I'm wearing glasses. Yep. And so I've, I use both of them still. My brother is a photographer, so I can I can be like, hey, I need headshots. How about today? Yeah. <laughs> like w- I can keep redoing them. Yeah. But it's such a personal thing too, because it's like I see pictures of myself sometimes and I'm like, I don't think that looks like me. Right. But who is it that you, you know, who are they for? Like they're kind of a little bit for you. But yeah. you're not the audience, right? You're not the audience. No, exactly. My last one. But you're like, one, this is who I want to be. Yeah. My last one, it was photoshopped within an inch of fiction. Like it was so <laughs> close to like being not really me. Like that was like, they took out my double chin. They like made my skin look clear. And I think the yeah. thing about like good Photoshop is like good plastic surgery. If somebody can tell you've been photoshopped or that you've had plastic yeah. surgery, that is bad. If it just looks like you took a really good nap, you're like, wow, you look incredibly well rested. That's yeah. good plastic surgery or that is good Photoshop. And I posted it on Facebook. My sister, my sister, who has known me since I was a tot in diapers, wrote to me and said, that is the best picture you've ever taken. And I was like, done. Score right there. Perfect. (laughs) That's the trick, right? That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. And how do we get creative with them sometimes too? Because headshots can be such a snore. Oh my God. And they can get terrible when they take, when the people are like, here's me and my four Dalmatians, you know, and like, oh wow, that's a lot of Dalmatians, (laughs) man. Do they they come to my open house too? Like if you're a dog person, that's great. If you're not a dog person, that's bad. One of our clients up in Seattle, you go to his website and you know, on the, on the website, like the top banner, it can have like a video or something like that. So it's him on a boat in a pair of swim trunks, no shirt, doing like a front flip off the boat into the water, which is super cute. Like it's super fun and fantastic. And it's very representative of his personality. But some clients can be turned off by that. Like, you know, why aren't you wearing a shirt? That's not professional. You know, like that's not. Yeah. And it, and maybe it's just like, yeah. you know what? That's who he that's is. That's not my people. And those are not his people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I do. I think I appreciate that. Like, you know, this is my first, as you know, foray into, you know, owning my own business. And, and business in it. I mean, in lots of ways. And I think I'm appreciating discovering that about real estate, the ways in which I get to continue to bring myself and I get to decide what level of myself I bring. You know, I'm not someone who gets super dressed up every time I see clients mm-hmm. or, I mean, I definitely present myself well, but I like that about this business. And I think the same goes for headshots is that you can decide how much of yourself you're going to bring. Like where's the balance between like uber professional and making sure it represents right. you too. Right. I wear a white dress shirt and a suit mm-hmm. every single day. So of course my headshot is me in a white dress shirt and a suit. Yep. That's what I wear. That is my uniform. It becomes very, very easy. I don't have to make any aesthetic yep. decisions when I wake up in the morning, but I look like who I am in my picture. And when you see me, you're like, that's the guy. Like it works great yeah. for Uber because I use my headshot for Uber and always in a jacket when I get picked up by an Uber and they're always like, that's my guy. Yeah. Cause I think I may literally be the only person <laughs> in Portland who actually wears a suit jacket every day. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, it's one of those things that just makes it easy. And I think using a professional photographer 
photographer, like using somebody who does, who knows what they're doing and knows Photoshop and getting them to capture the essence of who you are. It is such a fine art. We are all photographers. We all have Instagram in our pocket anytime, yep. but people who can actually make money taking photographs, they've got a talent. They are yep. special and they, they are able to take this thing and capture through a lens and put onto a flat piece of paper, your personality. And that's where it is worthwhile to spend that, you know, a couple of bucks to get it done. Absolutely. Are you ready to talk to Gabrielle? Do you want to go get her? Oh, I would love to. I might bring back a handful of M&Ms um, if, if, I, if she's willing to share. Will you grab me some shrimp cocktails <laughs> too when you're back there? No problem. Okay, no problem. thanks. thanks I'll be back in just a okay, second. <laughs> Gabrielle, it's so good to see you. Hi, Amy. You were having so much fun in the green room. I hate to pull you away. I can't believe you had my peanut M&Ms. They're my kryptonite. <laughs> Eat them every night in bed. It's my relaxation. So. We read your writer. We removed all the green ones. We knew you did not Dang, want the green nice ones. Touch. So. Nice touch. We try and go big or go home here at Behind the Yard Sign, so um, I'm so delighted that you enjoyed those. Classy with a C as opposed to a K. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Gabby, tell us, um, how long you've been doing real estate? I've been in real estate five and a half years. So what's that Excellent. like 400 in real estate here? Like <laughs> dog years, real estate years? Five and a half though. I have never heard that before, but it makes perfect sense yeah. to me that there would be real estate years. You have done a myriad of things throughout your career. You've worked in TV, you've done PR, you've worked with like, you've promoted Xbox, you've done real estate. Like what was your absolute favorite of all those things that you were doing? What did you absolutely love? Well, I think I've really hit my stride with real estate because yeah. what it does is it mixes all of those experiences together and yeah. gives me a pretty sharp tool set. Um, it's fun. It gives me all those opportunities to still be able to apply my past lives and actually put my degree to work. Thanks, mom. I told you I'd do it. <laughs> yeah, where'd, you go, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? I went to school in Woodland, Washington, home of the Beavers. So just over the Oregon-Washington border, super small redneck school in town, logging okay. community. Yeah, we knew everybody. There was one stoplight. Country girl. Where'd you head after after college? Montana. Actually, I got my first job out of college right away and um, started as a roaming news reporter for an NBC affiliate in Kalispell and Whitefish, Montana. Oh, yes. lovely. Yes. That sounds great. It was really fun. And it, yes, there was our share of stories about moose getting hit and, you know, <laughs> the course. things that you'd expect in Montana. But there was actually some pretty amazing opportunities. Do you remember Randy Weaver and the Ruby Ridge standoff? I'm probably yeah. aging myself. I was in yeah. Idaho at the time. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He actually granted me his first interview. So that was a trip talking to him. <laughs> and he gave me an autographed copy of his book to Gabby. A real nice gal. <laughs> like, Thanks, Randy. Amazing. It was, he was fascinating, though. It was a great experience. And then from there, I went to the East Coast, back to Seattle, down to Portland. You took on like a local celebrity before there was like, you know, Instagram and all that. Because when you were doing this, there was no social media. No. Like you were yeah. literally like the local celebrity. So did people like call you out? Be like, I know you. Yeah, it was so weird, you guys. <laughs> it was so weird because I grew up in a small town. So, you know, I didn't have this like air of I wasn't flamboyant or, you know, I was just super humble and I loved my job. And I was really glad to get to do what I wanted to do every day. 
But yeah. when I was going into the grocery store and getting stopped and people being like, oh, my God, you're the news lady and like kind of freaking out about it. I was like, what? I'm, I'm Gabby Elmer from Woodland, Washington. What are you talking about? So chill out. Our listener, our one listener yes. cannot see that you have flaming red hair, like really red. So like it's very noticeable in a crowd, which I think would make you even more recognizable in a small town like that. Like, that's the lady. That's her. The, She's the I was one. The, the news lady. I mean, they could have called you worse things. The news lady is not so bad. That's true. Yes. Yeah, they might have, but no, it, was, it was a great time. You go to the East Coast. Where do you land in the East Coast? I lived in Burlington, Vermont, and then crossed Lake Champlain on a ferry every day. My commute was on a boat. It was a trip, and New England winters, they can get pretty brutal. I'd have to keep my old trusty Subaru running because mm-hmm. waves would crash over the bow of the boat and and your car would literally get encased in ice. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So you had to keep it running so that you could actually use it on the other side of the That's, ferry. Yeah. <gasps> did you learn this lesson the hard way or did you did somebody pull you aside and be like, listen, Gabrielle, we're gonna have to talk about your car? <laughs> the latter. Yeah, I was grateful for that guy. Thanks, Steve from you know Plattsburgh. That was wild. Um, and I enjoyed it there too. It was a, it was kind of a lateral move just as far as quality of life goes. New England though was beautiful, the leaves and syrup and fish and the, the band PH. You're doing TV there as well. Is that I right? I was. Yeah. Okay. What's your next hop? My next hop was back to Seattle. I got a phone call from a gal. She actually was going to be in my brother's wedding. Hadn't talked to her in a jillion years. She was friends with my brother's fiance. And she called me up out of the blue and said, hey, I'm going to be a bridesmaid. Remember me. And so we had this great reconnective moment and we enjoyed each other a lot. We spent a summer working in the San Juan Islands together. And she, you know, it was, what are you doing? What's happening in your world? And she was leading the marketing efforts for, at the time, Experience Music Project, which was Paul Allen's Museum of Pop Culture. It's now Mopop at the base of the Space Needle. Yeah. I know, right where you, that's so funny. That big, Uh like, Frank Gehry movie. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And so it was still in groundbreaking mode and she was building her team out and she asked if I would be interested. I jumped at it. Hell yeah. Rock and roll and design and Seattle and concerts and friends. You know, it was, I was really lucky. So it seems like there's like a chain here of these like gigantic blind faith leaps where you're just making, yeah. I mean, there's two types, there's two types of small town people. There are small town people who are born in a small town, live in a small town, have a baby in a small town, die in a small town. They stay there the entire time. Yes. Then there's the people who like run away screaming and never look back. And it feels like Every step here is just like so incredibly brave. Were you scared every time? Do you do you thrive on that fear? Is it a place that you're really comfortable? Like, how does that feel for you? I have gotten to the point many years later where I trust my instincts. But at the time, I just saw it as serendipitous. When I was back east, I was starting to miss home. I started was starting to feel a little disconnected. I got turned off TV news because I realized it was more about personality than being a journalist. And I realized mm-hmm. that that was going to be my future is clawing up other people's backs to FaceTime. And that wasn't really what was doing it for me. And then Heidi called. I am kind of woo-woo. And I tell my clients that too. Like, bear with me. I'm not going to like do a crystal reading. But I am a firm believer of you get what you give. And especially with like your energy. If I'm not a Pollyanna, but I really try to stay open. And I always have Mm -hmm. just being like, okay, kind of the manifest destiny, really. And so that landed and you were open to it and you were ready for it in the ways you could be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Opportunities land on our laps every single day. All we have to do is just not bat them away. That's it. Oh, God, that rhyme, that was terrible. That was great. (laughs) If you could wrap it. Uh, Short, fat, white, and bald. There will be no wrapping going on right now. 
now, just so we're clear. Okay. Okay. So then you're doing this, you were doing this pop music culture museum in Seattle. What happens next? Having the time of my life had Beck leave me a voicemail at one point, met Metallica. You know, I was like, yes, this is amazing. Opened the museum. It was great. And in that process, working on the marketing side, I was introduced to the public relations team from Edelman. Up walks this guy, Pete Peterson. My maiden name, I think I told you, is Elmer. Gabby Elmer and Pete Peterson. The chances of there being two of us in this world, probably pretty slim, I'm saying. So we looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, we knew each other. We went to high school leadership camp together. And we were like, oh my God, is it you? It's you. And kind of had crushes on each other. So it was awkward a little bit and, you know, kind of checking each other out as grownups, you know, adults being like, hey, <laughs> you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Uh, kept it totally professional though, because he then uh, actually recruited me to go work at Edelman and to make the leap into PR. And so Edelman is like the world's like largest PR firm. Like this is the yeah. big boy. The mothership, really. And, you know, it has, has grown over the years since to what it is now, but it is the number one global communications and strategic um, communications and digital agency in the world. He offered me an opportunity to work with Microsoft. That was weird for me to get my head around of being like, okay, so I'm going to go from journalism to entertainment to keyboards and mice. What? But what was really cool is I was able to kind of carve a niche in doing design forward marketing because they were just starting their ergonomic platform, their specialized colors, their wireless keyboards and, and mice and like the advent of wireless technology. So that was really cool too, because I'm kind of a dork with technology and design. And so I really found a sweet spot with that and ran with it for a while climbed the ranks within my agency. And then next thing you know, I'm leading, like you said, Justin, I was leading the team for Xbox and still had access to like that entertainment world. And you're still in Seattle at this point, right? I was still in Seattle. Okay. So how do you get to Portland? I met my husband. I fell in love. Oh. Yeah. I, his name is Pear. And so to this day, every time he introduces himself, people are like, what now? say that again? I met my husband through one of these weird daisy chained events, you guys. So I was working with a woman at Edelman and she kept talking about this friend named Pear. I'm like, who? It, what? Who's named Pear? <laughs> I've got to meet this guy. He sounds fascinating because they were a total crew posse that would hang together. And she and I were friends. So she introduced me to him. How does he spell it? I'm wondering because there's a lot of, there's a couple pears out there. P-E-R. It's the Swedish equivalent of Peter. So he's a Swede. Okay. A few years later through all the Courtship, dating. It's so cute. He's actually six years younger than me. Yes. Yeah. All right. Nice. <laughs> uh, so we relocated. We were able to relocate down to Portland so he could go to graduate school. He's an attorney and he went to Lewis and Clark. Edelman was able to relocate both of us. And so that worked out really well for both of our futures. Okay. So now we've got you in uh, Portland. How did you make the transition from massive PR firm to like single proprietor or real estate agent? How did that happen? I had a lot of responsibility on my shoulders with Edelman. I was helping lead an office. I was responsible for many millions of dollars in budgets and keeping food on the table for a lot of people. And it was an interesting economic time. Boom, slow down, growth. I was in charge of new business. So it was up to me to bring in new accounts. And I loved it until I didn't. And ah. I just, it's a really taxing environment, really mm -hmm. high stress, high burn. 
Um, agency yeah. life, man. Agency yep. life. I've been there. Yep. Everything mm-hmm. you hear yep. about it is probably true. There is definitely a mindset that you have to have in order to be successful and, and stick it out. And I got to the point where there was real burnout happening. And I also yeah. became a mom. And so <laughs> it ran I'll its course. It. And then yep. all of a sudden, priorities shift. Yep. Major. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Major mm-hmm. light bulb moment of like, whoa, okay. And I waited until I was 37 to have my first kid, you know, because I wanted to go and do all the things and get the experience and focus on my career and focus on myself, frankly, and figure out who I was thinking that I'd have it figured out. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's one of the good lessons of parenthood is that at some point you're like, nope, never going to figure it no out. No clue. Total work in progress all the time. So what planted that real estate bug in your head? You knew you needed to get out of agency life. What made you go towards real estate? I dabbled in in-house marketing and branding for a while and had some great experiences there. I worked with Dave's Killer Bread here locally in Portland, for example, and that was an awesome experience with awesome people. But again, I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not really feeling my calling. Like I was good at it and I was su- successful as far as, you know, the textbook definition of what success looks like. And I was happy-ish, but I really didn't feel like my tank was being filled. And so I had to have that moment of like, okay, I'm ready for another one of those leaps. I just got to that point. And it was hard because, you know, you're looking at healthy income and, you know, mortgage and kids and all of these things. But yeah, it's not just you anymore. Right. But I was I was miserable. I didn't let myself appear to be miserable. But on the inside, my soul was just kind of. Yeah. And I didn't want my kids to grow up with that as an example. With an uninspired parent. You wanted to show them more. So mm-hmm. I reached out to the broker who helped us buy and sell a couple houses. And I asked him, um, am I nuts for thinking this? Do you think I could do this? And he was like, absolutely. Come join oh. my team. I'll pay for your real estate school. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's what started it. I started out at Keller, had a year with Keller Williams under my belt and was super highly transactional, you know, close 22 deals my first year. So. And you're with Living Room now, right? I am. Yeah. How long have you been there? The rest of the time. I, I was at Keller for a year and then made the shift to living room. So I've been with living room for four and a half, half almost years. five years. Yeah, I yeah. love it. It's such a great Good. place. It is a very particular culture. There is a certain type of agent that goes to living room and the culture there is so incredibly well defined. Jan- uh, Janelle's been on the show oh, before and we talked <laughs> about the culture there and it is something that like entrepreneurs strive to have a defined culture like Janelle's culture over there. It's fantastic. You made very much. Yeah, yeah, she she nailed it and that was very much an, a draw for me having been a former branding and marketer the strength of the living room brand the personality behind it the ethos having it be very you know value and kind of mission driven as a real estate agency that was you know it's hard to find and it's not just lip service plus janelle's cool as fuck man i mean she's she's (laughs) yes total lady crush on her i mean how, how many i feel so lucky to be like yeah my ceo used to be a punk rock star you know, it's like <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. So it's been a really great fit, and I'm so grateful. How have you used your experience from you know TV and from marketing and from PR and all of these different things that you've done to approach real estate? Like, how have you applied your experience? If you are a client, I would answer that that real estate it's also an element of storytelling. Um, the concept of home. It's different for everyone. The houses themselves, homes have distinct personalities and the quality of life that that community 
provides as well. You know, there's that certain something about every home or every neighborhood. And so what I try to do is make sure to, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before, but the matchmaking element of making sure people Mm -hmm. understand how are you going to fit in this particular pocket? That's one of the greatest Mm -hmm. things about Portland is it's so distinct and, you know, all of the quadrants, which by the way, why is it still called a quadrant if there are six? (laughs) I I love that. It's one of the the quirks about Portland. It's why we call it cooch instead of couch. That's right. We have have six (laughs) quadrants. Here in Portland, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, really making sure, oh, thank you, I have yeah. solidarity in that, thank you. But really making sure to understand that and to listen and to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. I think that applies. My journalism background is asking and then listening really making people feel heard. Then also when it's on the listing side, really getting a clear understanding of what makes that home special. You know, sometimes it is the architecture. Sometimes it's the landscape. Sometimes it's the neighborhood. Sometimes it's the kitchen. What I've been able to pretty successfully do is establish a brand for each of my listings. I mean, I literally brand them and create logos and a persona of, you know, if this house was a person, what would they do, think, read, feel? What type of music? I literally create playlists for my listings for people to, as they're seeing the house, the setting the tone of what kind of music is playing is super important as well because that creates emotion. So you've really been able to bring in all of these different experiences, the past careers, you've been able to really layer them in. It's probably part of what makes you really successful in this. I'd like to think so. Mm-hmm. I consider myself very fortunate. You know, I've worked my ass off, let's be clear, you of know, course. and um, <laughs> I've had my fair shakes of black eyes and falling down on my face mm-hmm. in that process. But I really do think that that's helped get me to my point of where I am now in my career. Mm-hmm. And I'm 47. And I feel like I finally found my calling. How do you find that balance between I'm in charge and anything you want, Mr. Client? There's Mm -hmm. this push and pull where like you're kind of the quasi boss, but they're kind of the quasi boss. And like, how do you figure out when to relent and when to push? So real estate is also filled with many and life is filled with many personalities, right? I think and I work with a wide range, you know, some are really passive and introverted. I work with my fair share of Intel engineers, for example, not the most highly interpersonally communicative, but (laughs) they want to have their communication tools presented in a different way. I try to do that as part of my general intake process with my clients is making sure that they understand that the relationship that we're creating is going to be based on trust. You got to trust me. You got to trust my expertise. I'm not always going to be right, but you need to at least know that I've got the experience that you don't and that that's why you're hiring a realtor. So I kind of try to really clearly establish boundaries from day one and also have a really clear understanding from that client what their expectations of me are. You know, mm-hmm. in that kind of exploration of sitting down with someone, if it's a, you know, someone whom I've never met, much of my business at this point comes from referred clients, which is great because they're my people's people and I know I'm mm-hmm. going to jive with them. But really understanding, being clear that not everybody communicates in the same way or intakes information in the same way. And so taking the time early on in my real estate career to have my infrastructure built for my tools and systems to be able to be flexible. So it's like if someone wants to go super Excel, I got you. I'm going to, you know, I can pivot. I got all the things. But if someone just wants a printout that they can put on their refrigerator and check the boxes, you know, literally as they go along in the process, I can do that. I can sit and talk someone through it. It's saying no. It's still it's still hard. But I do think tidbit 
advice is being really clear upfront, setting expectations, setting boundaries if they're important to you as a broker or needing to hear from your clients what those boundaries are for them. We all hope that we can set those boundaries clearly upfront and that we are working with the people who are who mesh with us. But sometimes that doesn't work out. So tell us about your worst day in real estate. Worst day in real estate was the day that I ignored my spidey sense, the day that mm. I ignored that intuition and was like, well, I don't have any closing scheduled next month. And I guess I should probably say, yes, I'll help you in this and ignored that voice that's led me, you know, on a path for much success. Um, it ended up being a series of bad days, Justin. And yeah. it just mm-hmm. was, I knew because my client and I didn't mesh. I, I could have said the sky was blue and they would have mm-hmm. been like, Mm-mm. It's you know, actually so, teal. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard too when you're early on saying no to business. But if you don't forget the fact that real estate is relational, we go through a lot of shit together in that 30, 45 days. It gets intense. And most of us as humans in that first meeting, we're going to understand and we're going to feel that chemistry of how are you? Do I like you? I actually say that to my clients at this point of you may be interviewing me, but I'm actually interviewing you too. Because it's that important to me that we're a good fit. Because if we're not, it's not going to be a great experience. And I really want it to be a great experience. And willing to walk away. Yes, totally. You know what? I'm I'm good. Thank you so much. I can give you a great referral. Exactly. Exactly. We've talked about that a handful of times, I think, recently on the show and in different ways. And I love that you use the word chemistry, uh, Gabrielle, because that's a word that I've used a a handful of times with people too. You just like, just like with any other relationship, you, you need there to be chemistry. You want to feel connected and trusting and it goes both ways a hundred percent. And I agree. It's really challenging. I mean, I'm towards the beginning of my real estate life here and I've had a couple instances where it, it has been really hard to turn down business. That lesson has been learned. Hard, hard to turn down <laughs> business, even harder to hate the project you're working on. Yes. 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 It turns out and that it's like, is it's uh, the bandaid process, right? Either rip so it off true. now or like tear yeah. it off forever. Yeah. Yes. And it's soul sucking in that process it it disrupts your mojo so it's not just a map it seriously is it's like if you're in hell and you have to show up in hell every day it's going to be miserable and it's going to affect you and it's going to have side effects you know down the road it'll take you a while to recover and just energetically i think when you're in a process that you're sort of slogging through the energy that you have for all the other things that you're working on or that you're trying to put together is really different than because you're just like head down slogging through something tell us about the best day you've had in real estate. <laughs> well, boy. Uh, one of those Intel engineers, actually, who was super hilarious in a weird and delightful way and unpredictable. He and his now wife, they were looking for condo townhouse in Portland and have very clear specifications, very, you know, set first time home buyers. And they it took them a while to realize what they had wanted wasn't real. And had I not adored them, I probably would have referred them out because they were one of the, like, took them a year and I kept showing (laughs) up for them. But I did it because I cared and I had a relationship established, right? I literally had to, like, drive my car up into the driveway to make sure that his prized Audi would have clearance and he had to measure, (laughs) like, like, yeah. 
propeller head engineer time. So engineering. (laughs) But being able to hand them the keys to this house that they didn't think that they were going to find, that they didn't think existed, Mm -hmm. and having them, it was so cute. They cranked music, and we had a total dance party in their new living room. Like, full-on dance party. I, I, my kids would have been horribly embarrassed. Let's just say that. One of my best days in real estate thus far was closing my first listing with you on the other side. Yes. <laughs> so I just want to acknowledge Thanks, the fact Amy. that you were so kind and so generous with your time. And I was kind of working my way through the listing process and not always exactly sure what I was doing and complicated clients on the other side, you know, for a host of reasons. And I just want to acknowledge the fact that you were so wonderfully generous and I'm so grateful. And your clients that still live next door to me, obviously, I adore. (laughs) So your people are my people, apparently. So thank you, Gabrielle. That was just such a great first uh, listing for me. Thank you. You handled yourself with grace and aplomb. Yeah. And you're a delightful person. I'm happy to call you a friend. (laughs) Thank you. You too. Gabrielle Einfeld is a real estate agent with Living Room Realty here in Portland, Oregon. The best place to find her is on Instagram. It's at Gabrielle Einfeld. We'll put a link in the description for the podcast. Gabrielle, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Can we get her a to-go box for some peanut M&Ms from the green room, please? Fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, gang. She is so cute. Oh, I love her. She is. My God. I mean, yeah. talking about just brave. Just brave. Being open to the opportunity. Yeah, she will always have a special place in my heart, having been on the other side of that first listing for me. She oh, just was so lovely, She took so. your little real estate virginity. That's so cute. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> so, she said so many things that really resonated. A conversation about spidey sense and thinking about that with clients and, you know, who you feel comfortable with. I mean, who you feel safe with, I guess. is Huge. You know, that's something to think about in this business as I well. I mean, absolutely. I mean, especially, I mean, this is a, a female-dominated business. There are a lot of women who are here, and in the last past couple of years, there have been real estate agents who have literally lost their lives trying to sell houses. This should not be yeah. an industry where you have to take out hazard insurance because you're afraid to go into a house. And we do the same thing. We go and visit houses, and we send one person to go by themselves to go visit a house, and we have some really yeah. basic rules that are like, here's the rules. Number one, we never park in a driveway. I do not ever want to park in a driveway where there is only one way to get my car out. We always park on the street because I don't want a car to be able to come in and box me in to make it so that I cannot get away from that house. So we are not allowed to park in driveways at all, ever. And if you, if it is like one of those houses where like, it's a really, really long driveway, like, you know, an estate, Mm -hmm. we always park so that we are facing out in a way that somebody could not box us in. So we could always like get out somehow. That's our first one right there. Number two, no staging job is worth your life. If you don't feel comfortable, don't even say anything, just walk out. Get the fuck out of that house. We have had uh, our design managers who have done that and they come back and they inevitably in tears or just completely freaked out Ugh. because they're like, oh my God, I blew it. I didn't, we're not going to get this project yeah. because I didn't feel comfortable and I walked away and I was scared. And every time I say the same thing, I'm like, it's not worth your life. If you didn't feel comfortable, if yeah. you felt scared, that is okay. Yeah. I am fine losing that project. That is, that makes absolutely no difference to me. I am super glad that you're still here and that you feel safe. We had a design manager go to 
a house, female design manager, male client, super creepy. She just walked in and just like immediately like the hairs on the back of her neck just were standing up. You know, he was walking around and he was pointing out artwork in the house. And there was this uh, like a piece of art that was like an S&M photograph of a female. And there was, I, there was like stuff going on that. And he's yeah. like, well, what do you think about that? And she's like, yeah, that should probably come down. That could be emotionally evocative. They walk into the backyard and there is a six foot long by three foot wide by like six foot deep hole in the ground like literally the kind of hole that you cut for a coffin and he's like well what do you think about this hole in the ground what should we do about this and she's like you should fill that in and she's like okay let's go ahead and head back out back inside and they headed back inside and she just walked right out the front door and just left which is exactly what she's supposed to do yeah you're not supposed to say like yeah i don't feel comfortable i'm not good i'm gonna go not gonna get into a dialogue and leave you just walk out. out And I'm sure that he thought that she was like, you know, going out to look at the front yard, but she just got in her car and just drove away. And I was like, that is exactly what you're supposed to do. But she felt terrible that she had not done her job. And her job, I can tell you that if something happened to her, it would have cost the business an awful lot more, you know, trying to deal with that mess. I'm like, no, you should absolutely walk away from that. Um, Have you ever felt scared? I have been super lucky so far. I'm also really thoughtful about the circumstances. I think most of the showings, most of the clients, most of, you know, most everybody that I've worked with have been folks that are referred to me through people I know. So there's like a base level of um, you're not a creepy, scary jerk or whatever. So I I mostly have walked into situations like that. But I will tell you that there are, are circumstances where I've walked into houses and felt a little creeped out, just like, oh, when I'm maybe previewing something for yeah. somebody. Actually, there was one recently that was rough enough that I was like, hey, I'm going to bring Glenn, like my wife with me, who's, you know, generally game to see houses. Who's, it was, by the way, delightful, you know, and a good, uh, certainly a good wingman in those circumstances. I'm like, hey, I don't feel good about this. She's like, great. When are we going? Like, she just drops everything and we make that happen. So, and it was, it was fine, but it was definitely like, you know, you just every once in a while have, you know, there's a location or the house has been vacant for long enough or, but I have most certainly walked into houses and just been like, uh, I'm going to move gingerly through this house and just be thoughtful where you just kind of get the little like, oh, maybe I'm not going to go in the basement today. Yeah. <laughs> like it just doesn't feel. And I will say I've had a couple, I've had some colleagues send me sign calls. So I will have a colleague who has a listing and they get a phone call that's like, hey, um, I want to see this listing of yours. And obviously they're mostly not interested in, in representing both sides of that transaction. So they will send it to Another agent. Um, yeah. somebody. So they will forward it. It along to me. I mean, unfortunately, it's mostly it's it's men that I'm much more of wary of yeah. than if I were meeting a single woman, I wouldn't think twice about it. So I was meeting a guy up at a house kind of near OHSU and I ended up Googling him and I got a little information about who he was and felt much more was like, okay, you are a person and you are the person you say you Mm -hmm. are. He was in a business where his images were around. So I could actually see that it was him. And we met, I I gave him lots of space in the house and kind of, you know, initially stood outside and, and also my colleague knew where I was and who I was with. And I think there's just things you can do. But I also think if I would have met him and felt creeped out, I would have absolutely done what your, you know, lovely design. Yeah. You just walk right out. No, questions asked end of story and you know nobody's going to be pissed at you but that person who's a creep i know a lot of people that always on sign calls they always bring somebody else with them there's always a second person there i know a lot of people who will 
as soon as they walk up to the sign call, they will be on the phone and they'll say, mm-hmm. yes, I'm at blah, 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 blah. And I'm meeting with blah, 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 blah right now. Super. I yeah. look forward to seeing y'all be there in an hour and a half. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Letting that other yeah. person hear that you just told somebody else who you're yeah. with and where you're at. And so just making it super clear. And it's this very subtle way of, of doing that. It's very passive aggressive, but also very effective. Now we host a lot of open houses. When open houses mm-hmm. were a thing before our little friend COVID came around, we hosted a lot of open houses yeah. and we found that the most dangerous part of an open house um, is cleanup when everybody else is gone. There's a dude here in Portland that likes to hide in closets and then pop out 10 or 15 minutes after everybody else has left. And it's always with a female real estate agent pop out and just be like, Hey, I have some questions about the house and just kind of like scare them. He's never actually done anything. I think he just gets off on frightening people. And they talk about them on the chat boards all the time. We're hosting these open houses, meaning that we were bringing all the food and all the entertainment and stuff mm-hmm. and setting everything up for the agent. So agents have to do anything. So the agent would leave, all the people would leave. We would like close and lock up the doors and then clean up all the dishes and wash everything because we do everything on, on real dishes. We don't do no paper because we play I see around here. But it would take like, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes to clean up from those calls. And we always sent a second person to go help clean up yeah. because one, it's just a lot of work to clean up after an open house Two, we want a second person there because we don't want people left alone because creepy people like to hang out and hide in houses after open houses. So, you know, you would think that'd be one of those times where it wasn't dangerous because there's a lot of people walking through the house, but you know, people do weird stuff. They do really weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You feel a little wary when you're the only one left in a house and you're kind of trying to move through and turn lights off quickly. And that's good to know. I actually hadn't heard about that person. I've heard about some others and there's definitely lots of information, you know, if you, if you go down that hole. <laughs> the people, there is this one guy who like is constantly calling and then he starts sending text messages and it starts off like really professional and just devolves into like pornography, like really quickly. Yeah. yeah. And real estate agents, you guys put your faces and your images and your content information out there for everybody to see. Privacy is something you give up a lot of in order to get business. This one was totally innocuous, but like definitely creeped me out in the moment momentarily. I had a listing actually not far from where I live and it was like eight o'clock one night. I think I was just like, just put my kid down and was sort of settling in for the evening and I got this phone call and I picked it up and it's this person screaming at me about how something, I, I couldn't fully make sense of what they were saying, but basically like, how could my real estate agency allow me to support Trump? And it was sort of this whole weird tirade. Was that a voicemail or a phone call? No, it was a phone call. And I picked it, I had picked it up because I didn't, you know, you pick up the phone off when you're a real estate agent. I went by my listing the next day and I'm sure it was the same person. Mm -hmm. There was a Trump sticker on my sign outside this house. So I'm pretty sure that someone had, I mean, the person who who was calling to yell at me felt very unwell. Yes. (laughs) Probably like the person who is texting reasonable questions and then devolves into pornography. Yeah. Like that speaks to maybe just not doing super well mental yeah. health wise, which is how this one felt. And I was like, oh, peeled the sticker off, whatever, done with Put it. Put it on your car. But it was also yeah, just you this, know, drove around with yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, it definitely gave me the creeps. And it is weird because your phone number is right there on all your yes. signs, which definitely is weird. <laughs> it's just a different, I mean, I come from a world where you're privacy as a therapist, as somebody's therapist is really 
is really protected. And, and I was always very thoughtful about that, you know, level of privacy. You know, my Facebook was totally locked down. All of my, I was very careful with what I put out there just because you don't want to stumble into clients. And now I'm in an industry where it's like, you need to connect with clients in all the different ways that you possibly oh, yeah. can. So it's very, very you different. Know, and there is this, there's this trend in social media and in our culture in general, that vulnerability is now highly valued, that the more vulnerable yeah. you are uh, and the more you put it out there about the things that you're going through and the hardships that you're having, the more real you seem and the more the more people are able to connect with you on an emotional level. Vulnerability is called vulnerability because it feels vulnerable. <laughs> and, and when you yeah. are vulnerable, you're vulnerable not only to the good people, you're also vulnerable to the bad people. And there is a balance. There is a place where you know, I don't like it when people like post pictures of a, like a giant gash on their knee that they just fell and hurt Oof. themselves. And like, I get that that's vulnerable. That's awesome. But there also comes a point where it's like, ew, I don't want to see that. That's too much information. Or they're having therapy sessions on their Facebook page. And there is a level where there's like professional vulnerability and then there's personal vulnerability. And we have to yeah. find that balance. If we get too vulnerable, we invite all the wrong people into our lives. And, not, and I'm not saying that it's like, you know, well, what were you wearing? You know, did, did you ask for that Trump person yeah. to call you? That's not what I'm saying at all. But we also have to be very uh, protective of ourselves and make sure that we are not going so far into vulnerability that we are inviting the wrong people in. And when we do accidentally invite the wrong people in and the hairs on the back of our neck stand up, we need to be able to get out of that situation quickly. 100%. Your safety is not worth any transaction. At all. Amy, where's the best place for people to find you? I am easily found at amyromberg.com. Ah, fantastic. Richie, thank you for editing us and always making us sound so darn smart. You are the best. Our music is written, composed, and performed by Joff Metz. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com. I'd like to say thank you so much to Gabrielle Einfeld for coming on the show today. She did a fantastic job. We got her some M&Ms, right? We're good to go there. Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, Amy, thanks for the shrimp cocktail. Appreciate it. That was delicious. Hopefully, you can hear me smacking <laughs> it as you. I was going through. We'd love to say thank you to all the folks who've reached out to tell us your story. If you've got a story you want to tell, you can find us at spade-archer.com. Click on the podcast link right to us. Tell us your story. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next time. Behind the Yard Sign. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.